Welcome, 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 my noble thespians and my everyday sluts. I'm your host, Dawn Westbrook, the biggest slut of them all. With my glass of Chardonnay, I hope you'll join me with a glass of something. And for the next few minutes, I'm going to introduce my new podcast, simply called ACT, where we're going to focus on the craft of acting, the art of directing, and embracing the process of this crazy career in the theater. I have some wonderful interviews lined up in the coming weeks, but first, tonight's show is being brought to you by the Martha Hill Newell Playwrights Fund, whose commitment is both to local and national playwrights, and holds the belief that the relevance and vitality of American theater depends on the continual infusion of new work. I met this week's guest back in 2015 when he designed sound for a show that I was directing at Richmond Triangle Players in Richmond, Virginia. He is now the artistic director of that theater. Lucian Restivo is a force to be reckoned with. He is a one-man band, and I actually don't think there's anything in the theater that he cannot do. Hiring him as the artistic director of Richmond Triangle Players was a brilliant move on their part before somebody else nabbed him up. Last year in 2019, his award-winning production of The Laramie Project was not only gorgeously staged, but Matthew Shepard's parents actually came to a special preview in Richmond, Virginia, and he says that this production will always hold a special place in his heart. He won Best Director for that production, and it also won Best Play. But there was a moment last year during the Richmond Theater Awards, also known as the Artsies, that I don't think anyone who was in the audience will ever forget when he asked the love of his life, Luke Newsom, to become his husband. And that, ladies and gentlemen, got the largest standing ovation and screams of the evening. You know, some people will do anything for applause. <laughs> the coronavirus epidemic and quarantine has put a hold on their nuptials, but he guaranteed me that it will happen as soon as possible once all this craziness is over. So let's don't win any longer. Here's Lucian Restivo. Well, Lucian Restivo, thank you so much for joining me on ACT, my new podcast. How are you? I am great. Uh, it's been a tiring week, but uh, it's been very productive. Well, productive is good. So here's my first question. I think you know what it's going to be. What are we drinking? We know what I have. Uh, yes. And, oh, there it is. That sound. <laughs> Chardonnay. There it is. <laughs> um, I am drinking a Kroger brand Coke, also known as Cola. Oh, uh, Cola. This, the big K brand, and also have a Deer Park water just to the side. You are so good. And why are we drinking Coke? It's a Monday, or is it Monday or Tuesday? Monday? It's a Monday. It's, oh, Lord. <laughs> the days with this COVID and everything, it's, I don't even know what day it is anymore. But um, so we're not drinking anything during the week or on the weekends or what? Did we make a decision? Oh, we did. Uh, I found that I was drinking a little bit too much during the weekdays. My body Welcome said, to the club. <laughs> um, my body said, no, ma'am. So uh, I have been taking the weekdays off and, and really imbibing on the weekends only. Well, I will say, the, the listeners can't see you, but I will say that you absolutely look fantastic. So maybe that's something that I should try, but I'm not going to try it tonight. I'm going to keep <laughs> drinking my glass of Chardonnay. And um, cheers to that. Um, Okay, so let me ask you um, a question. Since we're talking about COVID and all of that, um, tell me where Richmond Triangle Players, where you're the artistic director right now, tell me um, 
where where we left off and where you all are kind of suspended in time and uh, what was the last, I think I know the last thing that you all did. I think I was a part of that, but tell the listeners uh, what was the last date? What was the last thing you all did and how has it impacted you up to today? So as you do know, uh, we have finished a very successful run of The Cake by Becca Brunstetter, directed by the one and only Don Westbrook. Ta-da-da-da! <laughs> Um, and we were actually just about to start Tech Week for uh, Sugar in Our Wounds by Danya Love. Um, we had just had the actors move into the theater, um, and I think that was around March 14th, 20th, okay. somewhere yep. around there. Um, and we were just about to, to start all of the technical aspects, adding the sound, adding the set, adding the uh, lights, all of it. And then um, COVID hit. Uh, it became a real threat, and we decided to postpone the production indefinitely. Wow. And um, what were you directing that? Were you in it? Were you just uh, doing, what were you doing in that? I was uh, just essentially production managing. Uh, okay. Keith just Byron. essentially. I love what you say. Just essentially. I've worked at RTP. I know what that means. <laughs> it means you're doing everything. Love it. <laughs> Um, we had actually a great team. It was going to be directed by Keith Byron Kirk, who's the head of graduate studies at Theater VCU. Hmm. Wonderful. And so the actors were told, thank you, no thank you, you don't need to we'll maybe pick this up later on. What were they told? Um, so at first it was a, we're going to postpone the production until we sort of get more details about COVID at the beginning. Sure. Three months ago, we had no idea what was going to happen. This may mm -mm. have been a blip. It may have been, you know, this huge thing that it turned into now. Um, but we had a gigantic tree on the stage built, ready to be acted upon. Um, so we sort of kept it there for a while. Um, and then we sort of made the hard decision to postpone all the rest of the shows the season. Um, oh, my Lord. And when was the final show uh, to close? Uh, it was going to be head over heels and it was actually supposed to be right now. Um, no. So we uh, had to make the hard decision as most theaters did around the yeah. country. Um, and uh, here we are now today. Bless, bless your hearts, bless your hearts. Um, so I'm so sorry. And um, I just, like I said in my first podcast, my heart just hurts for the, the, the directors and the producers like you all and the actors that had already started work. That's a hard one. When you've already started or you're ready to go into the theater, like you said this was, uh, you know, ready to go into tech and all of a sudden to have the bottom just drop out is just painful. Um, I can't imagine. We got lucky with the mm -hmm. cake that we were able to do all of it and get out just in time. Um, and then, you know, all the theaters in town were just basically told, nope, can't do. And then I know a lot of them have started like uh, fundraisers. I know you all just uh, finished one. Um, and I know that some of them are offering like um, the, the, the uh, storytelling that Virginia Rep is offering, which is lovely with Gordon Bass as the, uh, the narrator. And then um, Jackie Goldberg Jones, if you all haven't seen it, it's a Jewish uh, fairy tale. And it's, it's got a wonderful moral at the end, which is perfect for now because it's all about, you know, my house feels crowded, my house feels crowded at the end. You're blessed to have a house, basically. Um, and Jackie does a brilliant job with that. But um, anyway, so then where, what are you all thinking? I know you can't tell me um, specifically because I know things are still up in the air, but I know, I do know that today you said uh, that really the theaters in town, if I can say this, have not really had a part with the conversations 
with the governor or the mayor, who I know are lovely and very supportive of the theaters in town. But um, if you haven't really been involved in the conversations, I guess this would be phase three, phase four. We're in phase two right now. What is the scuttlebutt? When will you all be brought in? Do you know? Were you kind of pounding the pavement and sending emails? Hello, we're here. We're here. We're artists. We need to get to work. What's happening with that? Yeah, so it's it's a very complicated process in the fact that uh, theaters and the inter entertainment industry are pretty much going to be the last thing simply because yes. we are surrounding ourselves in a very small box and it's very hard to control um, the the sanitary aspects of everything, the mm -hmm. vent ventilation systems, all of it. Um, so it's, it's going to be a hard conversation. Uh, we are fully planning to uh, open our season, our next season and later. And when would that start? When, later than normal? When do you normally start your seasons? In the so, fall or? Yeah, so we would normally start a season around August. Okay. Uh, however, it does look like we're going to be starting in November, and okay. I believe I can tell you that now. Okay. Oh, that's good news. That's good news. That's very good news. Okay. Yes. Um, but in the meantime, uh, we are planning a bunch of things uh, that will be announced soon. Okay. Um, me and Phil will be crafting our sort of theater address to the public to sort of give them an overview of what we have planned, our next okay. season, and our precautions going forward with COVID um, and, and sort of what that means. Uh, I know also the, RV, the collaborative RVA on stage of all the theaters in town will also be coming out with a statement of how we are going to address all of the sanitary concerns of, of you know, our audiences yeah, and our and patrons. You know, I know, I was talking to um, Michael Master, who was week two, and we were talking about, um, you know, outdoor theater, that maybe the Dell might be able to do their shows outside. Uh, we have a beautiful outdoor theater uh, here in town, for those of you who don't know. And I was just wondering, like, outdoor theater, like the public, you know, are those going to flourish um, at a time when really indoor theaters, which your space, I have to say, this is my favorite space in town. Um, and, you know, but comedy really, if you're doing a comedy or a musical, it doesn't work with people, you know, six feet apart. You really need to feel like you're in it together. And if you're, and, and, and then you can't sell the amount of tickets that you need to sell. Um, if we do this, how can we do this um, if we're not going to have the ticket sales to support it? So there are a lot of factors that are going to go into this. And um, I just, I wish you the best as you all figure out how to do all this. And, um, you know, we'll talk about how maybe uh, the community can help later on uh, in the show. So you are going ahead with maybe picking a season. Is there talk of maybe doing something that was in the season that wasn't done? Or are you just going to kind of, I know most theaters are kind of scratching that and then just moving forward. But is there talk of maybe people that were in shows coming up that might be able to happen in the season or? Yeah, the good thing about uh, all the, the work that we did in our past season, the last three shows that we weren't able to mount, they're going to come back period. Okay, These are great. stories that need to be told um, and in the right time they will come back into our season. Terrific. Um, when we sort of hit COVID, we mm -hmm. had already a season planned for next year and a full lot of amazing shows. However, because of the lost income that we had, we had to sort of scratch that um, and create a whole entire new season to sort of uh, make it flexible, sure. make it affordable, um, and all of that. So we have a season picked. Okay, um, well, very exciting. Um, it is downsized, I will say that. Um, and we will come out with a statement soon about that. Uh, the reason why we're sort of waiting is because we don't know 
what's going to happen. No one knows really what's going to happen. No, no one really does. And I guess with phase two, you know, we'll wait. And then with all the protests then that have happened here in Richmond, Virginia, and we'll talk about that in a minute too, um, that, you know, we'll see if the, if there's a surge in the, the disease or the virus, and if it isn't, then maybe that's a good sign. Um, I know tomorrow for myself, I'm actually going to swim outdoors for the first time since March. I was swimming a mile and loved it, but hot yoga, that ain't happening for me. <laughs> I'm going to do the swimming and the walking of the dog. I'm just going to keep consistent, but I'm going to try to swim tomorrow and maybe get, so they're saying vitamin D can help, or maybe now they're saying it really doesn't, but I know I need to get outside and exercise because the sun is just so important to me. Absolutely. Um, well, that, that sounds great. Um, We'll talk about how people can donate or maybe volunteer um, at the end. So don't let me forget to ask that. Let's no. move on to talking about directing. Um, um, I remember we talked about that this morning when we were doing our little uh, pre-show chat. Um, you were, when I met you, you were not the artistic director, correct? I was not. I was a little baby worker mice person in the back of the theater doing everything possible. <laughs> Which is really kind of, you're still kind of doing that. You're still, and not in the background, you have a nice title, but you're still kind of doing everything possible for those, you know, I've seen you do it. So, um, but when you were doing sound for a show that I was directing, which was a buyer and seller, I remember thinking, to myself while I was watching you do you I came and you let me you know listen to the sound you'd come up with and I thought hmm this Lucian he's got a director's touch and I looked at you and I said have you directed here yet and you were like what did you say I said not yet <laughs> I said well they need to fix that they they need to fix that and I remember I went to Phil like right away and went okay yep. <laughs> so so like um you know I'm old uh but I've been doing this a long time and Lucian really needs to direct. And I will say that the shows from your resume, the ones that you have directed have been award-winning. And so obviously uh, my instincts were right. Um, and he was very smart to bring you on board. Um, but you, um, you and Chelsea both, Chelsea was the stage manager and both of you, I looked at you both and I'm like, oh my gosh, these guys are fabulous. These were not just like a stage manager and a sound guy. These people are amazing directors and Chelsea, I worked with a year later at Theater Lab, mm -hmm. amazing director. So both of you have just blossomed onto the scene. Um, and I know that you won, um, the. who knows what's gonna happen with the Artsies this year. These are the Richmond Theater Award um, uh, awards that happen usually in October, mm -hmm. but we were cut short by like a half a year of shows that would be in uh, contingency to possibly win or be nominated. Um, but you did win last year, right? For um, uh, Laramie Project, right? I did. Um, we were nominated for, I was nominated for best set design and best director in a play. Um, and uh, the cast was nominated for ensemble and best play obviously. Um, right. And we were able to win Best Director. I won Best Director. They yes, won you did. Best Ensemble. And we also won Best Play. So. Yay. Well, you've got an artsy I don't have. I've never won for direction. Maybe there's hope for me yet. Oh, there definitely is. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there's hope for me yet. Well, no, congratulations. I saw the show and I just thought you did a terrific job with it. I thought that the pictures that you created were amazing. I, this is something we're gonna talk about in a minute. The pictures and um, had you ever, I mean, I'd seen the movie, but I'd never actually seen it on stage. And I know it was very exciting. RTP had some support from someone local who is a, uh, a, a politician. So do you wanna talk about that? His daughter, I think was in the show. You wanna tell them who? Yes. 
we were lucky enough to get uh, Tim Kaine's daughter, Anella Kane, who I worked with uh, many years back in, I think it was, oh, 2013 on Bear Pop Opera. Um, Which also was nominated. And did it yes. win? Or was it? Yes, it won Best Musical. Oh my goodness. I have so much, I have to really catch up on you here. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get there one day. Maybe. Maybe if I'm lucky and lucky critics, listen, listen hard. Go ahead. It's definitely in your future, I will say that. <laughs> Maybe, we'll see. Uh, um, but uh, we were able to work with, uh, well, Tim came through a uh, event at the theater um, for his campaign for Abigail Spanberger. Right. Um, and we were able to, uh, Matthew Shepard's parents came. Um, yes. And we were doing an excerpt from the play uh, and brought them to tears. And it was one of the most, the whole experience of Laramie Project was the most moving experience thus far that I've had in a theatrical environment. Um, but that moment in particular of just being, in a shared space with uh -huh. Matthew Shepard's parents was just, it was life-changing. Having them, and you know, there are certain shows sometimes that just hit us in the heart and we hold them dear to us, but that show definitely was one of those. I think the story in and of itself is uh, one that is hard to watch, but uh, important to tell. Like you said, we have stories to tell about some of the shows that are coming up in your season. Um, but the fact that Tim Kaine was there and promoted it, his daughter was in the show, um, you know, and that the parents were there and they were moved. And I know that it was, I know some cast members who were in your show um, and they just said that it was an amazing evening. And so congratulations on, on all of that. Thank Let's you. talk about the show. Had you seen it on stage before you directed it? Yeah, so I was a part of a high school program called the Cappies Program, which is essentially the Tony Awards for high school. Um, and Wow, yeah. spell that. Would you spell uh, that for our listeners? Yeah, it's the Capital Area Theater Awards, I believe, but it's C-A-P-P-I-E-S. Um, and it's actually where I, I met a lot of people that sort of went through my career in college with. Um, and where did you go to college? I went to Virginia Commonwealth University. Yes, you Richmond. did. I had you say that because we both have the same degree in acting with some directing credits. I believe we followed the same track. So anyway. Yes. <laughs> um, but through that, The Larry Project is one of the most produced shows in the world, mm -hmm. simply because it it's, has 76 characters. You can cast it any which way. And it's very accessible for a high school audience. Um, okay. So I saw it. Lord knows how many times in high school to write reviews on it and nominate it for things. Um, and I just, I didn't know how to approach it. Mm -hmm. Everyone has seen this. Everyone's seen the show. Everyone knows the story. So how do I put a new edge to it? How do I conceptualize it in a way that it's new, but it's still the same old script? Sure. Um, and so that's where I sort of landed in the fact that I just need to tell the story in Lucian's way. Okay, and so, it, and, and then you did, and I, and I loved it. And like I said, I'd never seen it on stage, but I had seen the movie. Um, mm -hmm. And so what got me, I think, the pictures that you created, um, the set really lent itself to, who was your set designer? Me. See, there you go. Now see, <laughs> I'm not a jack of all trades like you. See, there you go. You're a little mouse in the back doing all the little details. But um, yeah, the set was, was brilliant. And I remember, and who did the lighting? Uh, Michael Jarrett. Okay, Michael Jarrett's lighting uh, was wonderful. I've worked with Michael myself and he's just a, just a magician. Um, and your cast wasn't too shabby either. Thank mm -hmm. you, Scott Wichman and Jackie O'Connor and all these other, and we've talked about Tim Kaine's daughter. Um, brilliant cast, but the blocking was really great. I, it really seemed like a caravan of storytellers 
just getting together and telling this story and the music. You had musicians on stage and uh, Stevie Rice, I believe, uh, lent his abilities to that. He, did, he was up for an arts, was he, did he get nominated? Uh, he, he got was, nominated he for Red Velvet, I believe, uh, with Quill. Oh, you know what? I think I'm remembering that he should have been. There's, there's, there's my op-ed op piece for this. I remember thinking he was brilliant because we did, all three of us, you and Stevie and I had done The Normal Heart at RTP. And um, Stevie was so good in that, but I remember he was really questioning his abilities during that. And I think sometimes it's the nature of the role that makes people feel vulnerable. And I think because of the character he was playing, what's the name of that character? Oh, right, it was Felix Turner, the one with AIDS. He was so good. And he was like, I just don't even know if I can do this anymore. And then lo and behold, he gets cast in show after show after show. And you know, he's a nurse by trade, but his acting has just, I was like, you're not gonna give up. And then when I saw him in this, his transformation. I want, let's talk about that, how you work. Let's just take Stevie, okay? Mm -hmm. His transformation, um, I think he's pretty open, open book about who he is and, and, and what he is in life. But he looked like and played a redneck that I totally bought, hook, line, and sinker. How did you go about helping him create this character? Did he come in with all these ideas? Or did you talk about it? Talk to me about your directing uh, of him. Um, first and foremost, as a director, I pride myself on how collaborative the art is. Yes. So I think that it's really up to the actors to bring the character, but it's also up to us as directors to bring it out of them. Yes. So I was, uh, I was nervous going into the project of these people, these eight individuals have to play 76 roles. Yeah. So how do you, how do you make every single character individual without repeating gestures, all of that. And so I worked with our movement director, Wes Seals, um, okay. who is a, a faculty member at VCU as well, um, in finding that one gesture or that one, where do you hold your energy in your body to differentiate between characters? Okay. And how do we go into that character? Okay. And is it a melding in the process? As you say your lines, are you going into character? Are you just... There's the sound, and I am this character now. Wonderful. Did you bring that up to all of them? Did you talk just like that? You said, that's wonderful. Um, I've worked with directors where I had to play multiple roles, and that question never came up. It was up to us to kind of do that. Um, but that's wonderful that you brought that to the forefront. And so with Steve, I know you had a dialect coach. Who's, who was your dialect coach? Donna Coghill, who okay. also was just amazing to work She's with. She's fabulous. Um, she worked with us on the cake. And mm -hmm. I went to school with Donna. She was a directing major. And um, she's just, you know, a triple threat, you know, dialect coach, actress, director. Um, she's wonderful, too. So we really have a great pool of actors here in Richmond. Um, so you asked all the right questions. And then lo and behold, here came this redneck who I just was, I was bowled over by his performance personally. Um, and I loved what you got with him, but I loved the pictures that you created. So when I directed um, a long time ago, um, The House of Bernarda Alba uh, by Garcia Lorca, um, I worked with a set designer and I said, you know, I really see pictures and I see um, pictures that are almost like Salvador Dali in their bizarreness and in how they look. And so I 
I used pictures and um, I had also taken art history at VCU. Is it still offered at VCU as a part of the, as a part of the program for actors? Um, sort of. So you have to still take electives um, in art history. I think you have to have two art history requirements. So. Okay. We had to take art history one and art history two, and we had to take it as freshmen. And I'll ne that was one of the most amazing requirements for us because I still go back to it. Pictures, mm -hmm. artists, um, things that I want to create. And pictures are very important to me as an, act as an actress, but as a director, um, lighting and the way things look, certain shows definitely. Did this do that for you? Or, um, because it's a very musical type and lyrical type scripts. So did the pictures come into your head as you were thinking about how's Lucian going to create this show, make it his own and put his stamp on it? Absolutely. It was one of those things where I sort of had to have control of the whole entire thing, which is why I ended up being the set designer, <laughs> the sound designer, all of it. Um, and it was, it was so choreographed, I would call it. Choreographed. Yeah, it's very lyrical. You had to move from platform A to B so that person C could move to platform D in this right time at this right line. Right. Like it, it was just so choreographed down to the, the thing. The funny thing, and a little fun fact, I actually huh. ended up, we got through tech week and it just, something wasn't clicking for me. Act mm. three of the play just was not clicking for me. Something was off in my uh -huh. mind. It wasn't the thing that I pictured dreaming at night. Um, oh, I do that too. I, that's, that's where I do some of my best work, REM sleep as a director. Yep. And I'm like, that's what needs to happen. So you too? Oh, all the time. Those are the shower thoughts even. Yes. It, it just, it, uh, you're thinking about it constantly. Yeah, you but, can't get rid of it. <laughs> but something wasn't working for me and I just couldn't figure it out. And I ended up completely reversing act three about like three days before we opened. What do you mean by reversing? So everything stage right was now stage left. Oh, and you mean literally, like <laughs> literally. reversing it, like we're gonna not look through me, we're gonna go the opposite direction. Yes, all of it. So and you luckily, juxtaposed it. Yeah, and luckily my cast just trusted me and it turned out to be just beautiful. It here, are exactly your, here are your changes, we go live in five. Yep, exactly. I always love saying that. You know, here are your changes, we go live in five and we don't have to do that in the theater, really. So, um, pictures, yes. Um, let me ask you, as far as Stanislavski, I know that you trained at VCU, and in, in week one, I talk about all the different methods. Um, for me, as an actress, it's a hodgepodge of all of them. Um, for you as a director, I know when I directed The Cake, um, I worked with, with a couple of actors that are seasoned and have worked for years and years and are trained, and two actresses that really are musical theater and hadn't really been they were brilliant and I loved them and I loved working with. And so I would say to them, before you enter the door, what are you trying to do? So Stanislavski mm -hmm. and working with actors. Um, it's very important to me when I ask, I always do this. I'll say, why did the playwright put you in this scene at this very moment? Um, do, do you talk, do you speak in terms like that? Do you use Stanislavski to help you get actors motivated uh, talk about what their overall show objective is, what their overall, how do you, do you use Stanislavski as a director? Yeah, so like I use it as a foundation. However, what I've sort of experienced and kind of just 
commonly, everyone comes from a different background. Absolutely. And, and like you were saying, the two musical theater actresses who were brilliant oh my in the cake, but they come from a different background than I would approach a, a show. So it's really finding the common vocabulary. Yes. So using the Stanislavski method, but maybe using it in different terms. Right. So it's accessible for everyone, but still using the same method. I remember saying, what's your, um, before you enter, what's your objective? And I remember I got deer in the headlights and I went, okay, so then, all right. Um, what do you think Jen wants to do? Why is she coming in? What does she want to do? And then they would get into the scene and they would work it. And then I would say, did she get it? Let me know when you think she's gotten it. When you, you know, script in hand still, and then she never, you know, some like for one scene, she would say, yeah, I didn't get it. I went, you're right, because you don't win in this one. Exactly. You don't, you don't win in this one. So it's, um, and so I think that it really works directing wise, but I think like you said, you have to find the vocabulary to work with actors. And in week one, I'm like, it either flies or it crashes. You know, <laughs> yep. you either, you either exactly. work, and you're constantly working with actors. And, you know, like Michael said last week, you know, when you're working with people like Bernadette Peters, Mm -hmm. You don't really need to ask them what their objective is, you know, but you do need to be confident and say, you know, what are your thoughts when you do a lot of table work? Now, I know Chelsea mm -hmm. um, Burke, who I'm going to have on as well, who directed me in uh, Grand Concourse and was who we spoke about earlier as the stage manager, which I hope she's moved way past that by at this point. Um, but she did so much table work for Grand Concourse uh, by Heidi Shrek. By the time we got up on our feet, I knew exactly who I was, what my relationship was to these characters. And we, so I ended up stealing from her. I ended up doing that for the cake. We did so much table work that they yeah. were like, I'm, I'm ready to get up on my feet and, and do this, you know? So it was really great. And we were able to kind of do callbacks from, do you remember when you told me this, you know, we took notes and we talk about it. So that, that was wonderful as well. Do you have a show that, is something that you have always wanted to direct. We know what's near and dear to your heart. I was going to ask you that, but Laramie Project seems to be the one. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. yes. I don't know if you'll top that one in your lifetime. You may, you may, but maybe not. Probably not, and that's okay. Is there a show that you really hope or you would see yourself directing that you haven't had a chance to direct yet? Um, there isn't really. I've been lucky enough to sort of direct everything that's been on my bucket list so far. Oh, come I, on. I mean, really though, and I keep on trying to find something new to work on. There is a show in our next season that I am directing that oh, I have nice. been, we've been sitting on it for a while now. Okay. Um, and I just, I love the script. And most importantly, I love the visual aspect of the show, the technical oh, aspects that are just going to be so challenging to work with the designer to, to sort of accomplish. So you're going to actually um, let somebody design this. You're not going to have to design it. <laughs> oh yes. It's, it's, it's definitely out of my wheelhouse, which is something I rarely say, but okay. right out of my wheelhouse. Yeah. There isn't very much that's out of your wheelhouse. So I have to ask you, this is there a role for me. <laughs> there is. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, you know, you have to keep me in mind. I know those equity contracts can be a little sticky, but um, I'm just kidding with you, but. Kind of yeah. not. Um, anyway, so let's talk about new scripts mm -hmm. and uh, scripts that are not necessarily tried and true. We've mm -hmm. talked about Laramie Project. You were familiar with before you um, got a chance to, to do it and put Lucian's stamp on it. How do you go about 
um, a new script? Have you had a chance to work on something brand new that's never been staged that you just get to do from square one? Yeah, so we actually at RTP are launching this new series. It's called the So Queer uh, Initiative, and it's a new playwriting uh, initiative for us. So we are starting a submission process in the fall. And I was going to will... say, I don't think I've ever heard of this So Queer. Nope. I'm, this is new to me, and I usually know what's going on at RTP, so that's <laughs> exciting. So we put a, a name to it finally, um, and we'll be coming out with more information soon um, at the end of July. Uh, but we had a pilot program this last season with Chandler Hubbard's script, The Molly House. Oh, he's um, so good. Whew, and it, the script was just amazing to work on. So we essentially um, proposed to Chandler that we would develop the script throughout the season, this past season. Um, and we did a, we worked workshop after workshop and went down to the nuts and bolts and tweaked mm -hmm. and just did everything possible to get into a really great shape and then did a, uh, a, a pretty much a very staged, staged reading of it um, right, right before COVID in February. Um, and we were able to sort of figure out the process of mm -hmm. what we're doing. Um, so this fall, we're going to be launching a whole entire submission process. We'll be calling on playwrights across the globe um, to submit their works to us that follow our mission. Um, oh, wonderful. How will you let people know? How will you ask so for submissions? Yeah, so we're going to be coming out with all of that information at the end of July. We'll be um, opening up the submission process in August and then... Okay. Uh, narrowing it down to five finalists and then those five finalists will be given 45 minutes from their script to present uh in january and then from that we'll have a committee to pick one of those playwrights and then we start a whole entire development year of the play oh my gosh how exciting i love you know what here is the thing i love hearing something new mm -hmm. something exciting something new because we've all just been kind of in limbo we're in purgatory not knowing what's happening that is so fantastic so yeah. what I'll do is um, in July, after you and Phil do your announcement or whatever it is you're going to do, please let me know so that I can put it on the ACT Facebook page and on my Instagram and on my Twitter so that we can send out to whomever is there. And I'll put it on the Martha Hill Newell Playwrights Fantastic. Fund and maybe, maybe perhaps, <laughs> maybe Martha Hill Playwrights Fund will be able to, you know, give something to you all, um, you know, for, for this, okay? Yeah. Yeah, um, and it was a wonderful opportunity too for us. It was our former artistic director, John Knapp, and his partner, Tim Gillum. I love John and Tim, I love them, I love them. Hi, John, hi, Tim. <laughs> hi. Uh, they started a fantastic fund for us to, to support the new works of LGBTQ individuals. So this is really not possible without them, and we thank them so much for, for oh, starting the fund Oh my gosh, us. I didn't know they had done that. John, Tim, you're fabulous. We miss you in Richmond, but you're still just going so strong. They moved to Charlottesville, and I think now they're in like Maryland. Yeah, Baltimore, I believe. Oh, I love them. And they're still very much, I know they came down and saw the cake. They're mm -hmm. so supportive and so wonderful and we just adore them. So um, I think my Chardonnay is kind of, you know, weaning. So I need to go get another glass. But I think, is there anything else that you want to add before we kind of wrap up? I'm no, I think it, it's great. I Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. <laughs> I'm so glad. You're my first Richmonder. Oh. oh. I couldn't think of anybody else I would rather have on. I just adore you. And for those of you that are listening, Lucian is a one-man band. He is unbelievable. When I know he's on board, I feel confident and calm. Um, and even if he's not on board, I feel confident and calm because I know he's always there in the wings ready to help. Um, RTP is 
I'm just gonna say it. It's my it's my favorite theater in town. Um, it's my favorite space. It's my favorite. Um, it's just my favorite group of people to work with. I I love their mission and I love um, everything about you guys. I just I truly do. Um, and so what I'll do is on the Facebook page I'll post for those listeners anybody who's interested in maybe giving. I know you all finished one campaign, but I got a letter in the mail today mm-hmm. for more funds. Is there anything you want to talk about that real quick? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we just, like Don said, we just finished a giving, uh, give out Tuesday um, that uh, we were very successful in fundraising. But as we all know, that's just a drop in the bucket of what we actually need to sort of con- to continue the, the work that we need to do at the theater. Um, so we are just about to launch another uh, fundraising effort, um, uh, give out day, uh, not to be confused with Giving Tuesday, which we just completed. <laughs> it's different. It's different, folks. It's different. <laughs> different. Um, but that will be at the end of June. Um, and you can uh, find more information about that on our Facebook as well as on our website. Um, and you can also visit our website at rtriangle.org uh, with a little donate button at the top. Yes, you can. Um, yes. Wonderful. Well, so um, I know that when you won last year for Best Director and Best Show for the Laramie Project, you did something very exciting um, in your speech, and I was there to see it. Um, you, you, want, you got engaged. You asked someone I to come did. up on stage. Who was that lovely person? Um, that was my partner, Luke Newsom, who is an actor in town and also a drag queen, Wet Midler. Look her up. <laughs> Wet Midler. Wet Midler is fabulous, but I will say that Luke Newsom is one of my favorite people in Richmond. And you know that he is. <laughs> understudied buyer and seller and came in one night. We had the, the main actor, Dan Simo, had to go out of town. Luke had watched the show. And I think you have probably did those lines with him probably every night and every day. You probably knew the script yourself. He came in. I have to just say this about Luke. He came in and it was tech week. And we mm-hmm. needed somebody to be there for lighting and sound. Um, okay, so um, he nailed it and never had to call for line once never and i sat there did i not i sat there crying and weeping because i didn't have the words uh, because luke was someone i was thinking about casting i ended up going with dan they were both fabulous and i came to luke and i said you know would you like to understudy i'm not sure we can maybe give you some time to do maybe a couple of of shows maybe a couple of matinees ended up being he was able to do a weekend um, but he came in and I don't think I've ever been that moved in a tech week or in a rehearsal. I, the fact that he said yes, number one, the fact that he was so diligent and did it, and then the fact that he so beautifully executed it. And he did what Michael said in week one or week two. Michael said, when he understudied on Broadway, Love, Alec, and Passion, if you listen to it, he said, the stage manager took him aside and said, okay, so Michael, you're doing a great job. You're doing a great job. And he knew that big butt was coming, you know, mm-hmm. but you, it's your time to not really be you and bring your things to the table. It's time to kind of figure out how to embody the ones that Dan Simo had already done, or like in his case, Nathan Lane, um, but he did it and he, but he made it his own. I don't know if Luke really considered, I need another glass of Chardonnay. I don't know <laughs> if, um, you know, maybe I don't. If Luke considers himself really an actor? Yeah, um, he comes from a musical theater background uh, and that's where his sort of heart is. Right. I think that over the years though, he's definitely 
become then blossomed into the he's, actor that he always he's one he of my was. favorites and but at that time he was not i don't think mm -hmm. but he never questioned he just never. came in and did it and it was one of the most beautiful experiences i will never i will take it to my grave as one of the most beautiful directing moments um to see what he did and embodied it dan simo was brilliant too um and hopefully i'm gonna have chris hankey who did it off broadway and then Chris Hankey came in and Chris actually talked to Dan and I, Chris is a friend of mine, came in, but Luke somehow embodied all of that and just did an amazing job. So you are, are you married yet or are you still engaged? We're still engaged. Um, we were sort of just planning our uh -huh. wedding when all of this COVID nonsense started. So uh -huh. everything's sort of been put onto the shelf. We will get there eventually. We're in no right. rush. It's not like we're gonna break up anytime soon, so. No, <laughs> I love you both, and um, I love Wet Midler, and I, I just love the theater. And let me ask you one final question. If Lucian Restivo was not doing theater, if he was not the artistic director of RTP, Richmond Triangle Players, what do you think you might be doing? Uh, I always wanted to be an architect, actually. <gasps> <laughs> I went through the whole entire elementary school into middle school. I wanted to be an architect. I love just architecture and styles and design and all of it. And then, you know, the theater bug hit. I, I, and I know, I know. Did you ever take a career placement test? I didn't actually. But um, I get that because you are creatively seeing something and yet you actually get to execute it, which is what we said in the very beginning of this is that you kind of oversee all of it. And I will say that RTP is so damn lucky to have you in their corner. You called yourself a little mouse in the corner. I'll say you're the lion in the theater. You are there and you are a presence that makes anybody who's coming in as a guest artist feel um, welcome and loved and lucky. So thank you. thank you so, so much. And I wish you all the best. Uh, guys, I'll be posting on the Facebook page about RTP and a little more about Lucian and how to give to the theater if you're interested. Um, my very best to you guys. I love you, you know I do. And we love you. Give me that roll. Okay. We're on. Okay. <laughs> All right, guys, we'll see you later. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Well, I think that about does it for this podcast. I can't thank you enough for listening. Remember, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under ACT. Or you can visit my website at www.dawnwestbrook.com. And feel free to ask questions, give suggestions, and feedback. But for now... As W.C. Fields once said, a man's got to believe in something. So, my noble artist and my everyday sluts, I do believe I shall have another drink. May the footlights burn bright and your actions both on stage and off be rewarding. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm Dawn Westbrook, your host, and this is ACT. This week's podcast is sponsored by the Martha Hill Newell Playwrights Fund, whose commitment is to both local and national playwrights, and holds the belief that the relevance and vitality of American theater depends on the continual infusion of new works. <laughs>